Hi, my name is Beth Stanfield. I'm a lawyer, entrepreneur, dance fitness instructor, speaker, and writer. But of all the things I have been and am becoming, the most sacred to me is that I am free. So welcome to the Beth Stanfield Free Podcast, aka BS Free. Hello, loves. Welcome back to the Beth Stanfield Free Podcast. This is episode two. I can't believe it. So I'm just going to jump right in. Actually, I'm not going to jump right in. I want to let you know what's coming. The first series of the Best Stanfield Free Podcast, and it is called, I'm Just Trying to Get Out of My Head and Into My Life. That title right there, y'all, could be maybe a three-year series. How many of you have been trying to get out of your head? Stuck? You are in analysis paralysis? Overthinkers? This is probably the number one reason why I haven't made more progress in the last, let's say, 20 years of my life because uh, I've been in my head. It's almost like there's this disembodied future that is in my view and I'm not able to get to it because I'm in my head. I'm literally living in my head. I'm going to bring you some really really cool speakers, some really cool people, women that um, some of you already know. I'm so excited about that. That's why I wanted to tell you about that up front before we jump into today's topic. All right, so today's topic is going to start with, um, well, it's a little on, it's a little on brand for the holidays, I guess, when you're entering Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we're talking about giving. Actually, in fact, I don't understand how it's already November. Someone took October and I would like to have it back, but I'm going to start with a question. One of the most uplifting questions I could probably or possibly think of, and it's this, what do you want for people to say about you when you die? Actually, I think it would probably be better to ask the question when you're alive because I think it would be good to know what people say about you while you're alive because that's pretty good feedback. And I think we could use that while we're here on this planet trying to learn what it means to human. What do you want people to say about you as a human being while you're living? I think that if I am being honest and I'm going to be honest, If you asked me that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even young adulthood, I would probably say I would want people to to say that I'm smart, that I'm an, an intelligent person. And that is where I placed my worth, my my personal worth was in intelligence. I asked that question to myself yesterday as I as I was preparing for today. And that is not the answer anymore. Yeah, my answer today is completely different and it surprised me. And and there's no right or wrong answer to this question. It's a question that tells you where do you personally hold your value? Where have you put the currency of your life? And let me clarify, the question isn't what do you what do you think other people would say about you? It is what do you want them to say about you? What do you want your living legacy to be? So here's mine. And it it's a little hard to explain. I want people to be able to see me as someone who is incredibly, ridiculously, shockingly, weirdly generous with her love and acceptance. I want that when I walk into a room that I chose to be in, 
a place where I have been drawn to because I felt the aligned energy of that space, a community, a people, a friendship, a job, a partnership. I want the people in that space to feel my love and to feel my acceptance like an energy source, like a light source even. And I want to be the type of person that is so full of energy and so full of love that it just oozes from my being, that it is not something that I could contain even if I tried or that I would ration out even if I wanted to, that there's such an abundance of love and generosity that the people in my sphere are palpably affected and impacted and as a result of that feel safe, feel seen, feel secure, and feel empowered. I want to move in such a way that there is a transfer of energy, a transfer of that generosity into those spaces that truly make a difference in people's lives. And listen, I'm not saying this knowing that I'm there in any stretch. This is just thinking about this and putting this out there into the world publicly and openly is a stretch for me because I've got a long way to go. More often than not, I'm thinking, what can I get from this experience? Even more often, I'm actually just thinking about myself in scarcity terms, like insecurity, feeling weird, feeling antisocial, feeling like I just want to go home and watch some crime shows, which that's not going to change. But I want to truly, in every facet of my life, personally and professionally, I want to be able to operate in these spaces with the capacity and expansiveness of the type of person that is truly a gift to the environment. I know that sounds a little crazy, but I know that it's possible because I have experienced it. I bet you have too. I bet you have experienced what it feels like to be in a relationship or be in the sphere of someone who has that expansive, generous quality of spirit that invites you in, makes you feel safe, makes you feel secure, and doesn't make you feel like you have to be anything other than who you are. Because that person, they don't need anything from you. They're not judging you. They're not even asking anything from you. They're giving you the space to just be who you are and loving you for that. And that's what I want. I want that. I don't want people to say that when I'm dead. I would like people to say that next week. So I know I've got work to do. So right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I know for a fact to be the absolute requirement to even begin walking into a place where you are defined by a generosity of spirit and abundance of the soul. All right, so get ready. In fact, I I recommend that you prepare yourself because some of you are not going to like this absolute foundational requirement. All right, so gird your loins. You will have to learn to love yourself. And when I say that, let me be clear, this is not a nifty side effect or a counterpart to a generosity of the soul, all right? This is an absolute foundational requirement for you to even be able to have the capacity for generosity. 
I do not believe it is possible to function in the level of expansion and love if you actually don't love yourself. And I know that that sounds horrible. Learning to like and actually love yourself. It, why is that so hard? Why is that the hardest thing? Why is it, even in a culture that is seemingly obsessed with the idea or the concept of self-love, why is it that so many of us struggle with even saying that we like ourselves? I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. It kind of makes me want to vomit a little bit just to even say that I love myself. I <laughs> am working on it. I am working on it, but we're starting from, let me, let me tell you where we're starting from. In 2018, late 2018, so we're talking about exactly five years ago from now, I woke up one morning and a major thing happened and I can't tell the whole story of that right now. So, but I want to tell you this part. I woke up that morning and was immediately that morning kissed awake with this sense that I had not felt in my adult life, probably even since teens, when you as a female really start to hate yourself. I remember waking up five years ago with this blissful, light, airy, incredible, wonderful feeling. And it was this, it was the lack of self-loathing. I mean, wow. I didn't even know it then either. It was a complete surprise to me. I did not expect to wake up that morning and feel the lack of that pervasive burden that I had been carrying for so many years, decades. And there's a lot that is wrapped up in that experience and a lot that was wrapped up into that shift. But ever since I woke up without that heaviness of self-loathing from that point until now has been a journey of going from self-hatred to self-dislike, from self-dislike to maybe some modicum of acceptance, from acceptance to some little sliver of kind of like, and you get the picture from like to, I don't know, maybe kind of like a lot. And we're still working on we're, we're on this continuum still, you know, and there's still days I wake up and I'm like, I hate my body. I hate my voice. I hate the things that I say. I hate my stupid habits. So there's this constant battle that is daily. I mean, it, it's daily, that battle of the mind. But what I want to tell you is that no matter where you are on that continuum, and, and it could be topical for sure, you could be working at from self-loathing loathing to self-like on one area and really celebrate in another area of your life. And I think that's just normal. But I, I do believe this. It's not possible for you as a human to hold yourself psychologically, mentally, physically in a space and walk with the type of generosity that I'm talking about, that extraordinary, larger-than-life generosity of spirit. I don't think it's possible for you to embody, live that in that, that deep, visceral way. If you don't love yourself, if you don't like yourself, and I don't know if you notice, but I'm still stuttering over the words. It's like I have to follow it up with like 
you know, because I can't even really get out the love yourself part. And now I know that maybe there are some of you out there that have no problem with the self-love part. You got that down. Um, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm jealous of that if that's the case. But I think there are a lot of us that really, really struggle with even saying that you're not only allowed to love yourself, but you are called to love yourself. You're required to love yourself and that it is absolutely essential. It is an essential ingredient for you to be able to walk in love. It absolutely is. And this is not a metaphysical mystery. It is very practical. For many of us, it is safer to stay in self-loathing. It, 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 that is our safety place. But what that also means is that if you stay in the safety of self-dislike, you will not allow yourself to be in a position of relationship to other people. But most often, I, I really see this as, as a far more subtle manifestation of someone who does not like themselves. And it often comes across as competition, not the good kind, needing to prove yourself in an environment, manipulating conversations though, so that it highlights something that you want to highlight, looking for relationships, feedback, likes, etc., that um, feed your need for approval, your need for a validation, your need for acceptance, your, your way of gathering evidence within your environment that you are okay. But you shouldn't have to gather that evidence because if you knew deep down that you were not only okay, but perfectly made and loved by yourself, you would not need that. And I know a lot of us attempt to regulate that through the dopamine hit of likes and so forth. And it manifests in so many workplace toxic behaviors that I certainly have experienced up front, and it is the putting other people down, looking for opportunities to denigrate someone, the rampant competition, and just the prevailing scarcity mindset of the workplace. And as I reflect on my 18 years in corporate workspaces, it amazes me the degree of scarcity and poverty that so many workplace cultures exist in. But could you imagine if your boss was the type of person that I'm talking about, the type of person that they've got nothing to prove. They're the gift. They've already got everything that they need. They don't act out of an instinct to put someone else down because what would be the point? You already won because who that person is and who they are becoming is the prize. That's the kind of boss I want to be. That's the kind of boss I think you could be. But ultimately, I'm talking about the type of person that not only is learning to love who they are, but likes who they are, not blindly, but compassionately. A person who is confident in their abilities, but honest about their weaknesses. And they've got nothing to prove and nothing they need from you. They don't need your adoration or praise. They don't need to make you feel smaller so that they can feel like they're enough. And while I talk about this, I am reminded of things I've seen recently on social media that really, really resonate. And for women, I think that we feel this so deeply. And it's this longing for a friend, a person, a tribe, uh, a group of people that can truly support each other without all of the craziness 
without all of the BS. I'm sure you've seen memes like this where it's talking about how I want to surround myself with people who will mention my name in rooms that I'm not in. Or there's another one I saw with Beyonce and Taylor Swift, and it says something like, I'll probably get it wrong, but it says something like, when you become besties with the other top performer, instead of letting people pit you against each other. I felt that when I saw that. I was liking that so hard, there's a divot in my phone. But seriously, I think that's what we're longing for. And the degree of likes on these posts when I see them is extremely high in comparison to other messages out there that are floating for women. And the degree and the number of likes does not correspond with what I actually see and feel and experience. And especially in the workplace, I see this most profoundly there. In the one place that still is so far behind in balancing the inequities, women, I think, are really the worst at promoting each other and supporting each other in a real way. And yet, it's clear that that is the community that we're longing for. That is the friend that we're longing for. That is the type of person in the tribe that we want to be and surround ourselves with. But there's a gap between our experience and the dream. And I really believe that this is largely, not completely, but largely attributable to what we're talking about, which is that you're not ready. You have not yet transformed into the kind of vessel that can hold that kind of capacity for incredible larger than life support. You have not yet become the person who is so secure in themselves, so confident in who they are, that the concept of attempting to compete or tear down another woman is just laughable. But again, what I have experienced and what I see every single day is a generation of women who are so sick and tired of the BS. So sick and tired of the threatening mind games, the opportunistic, the subtle digs and snarkiness, the competition, the betrayal, the duplicity, the fakeness, all of it. We're sick of it. We are really longing for the real we're longing for someone to feel safe with. We're, we're longing for a place to exist where we don't have to watch our back. And I get it. I, I mean, I really do get it that what we see and what we like on the internet, you see like, a, a, you know, 500 likes on that one meme talking about let's not be in competition, let's support each other. And then the reality, and I, I actually, I think I, I do understand that disconnect. And that disconnect is us. We're not ready And we have not done the work because again, you cannot be that person. You cannot be that larger than life, extraordinary force of nature that truly, truly celebrates your tribe and the people in your tribe and the people that are are in your life with all that you've got because you have not yet learned how to be radically generous with yourself. And that I'm not saying this is the entire ball game. But a foundational prerequisite to be the type of person that you long to be, assuming you long to be that type of person, is that you have to learn how to actually like yourself and learn how to be whole, secure in your own person. But definitely stop right here and right now, floating around 
and hoping that somehow you can make yourself enough, earn your way into that kind of community, that you can make yourself pretty enough and smart enough and um, accomplished enough, impress the right people enough to be seen as someone who is valuable in that type of community. No, you just choose it. It's a choice that you make, and the choice ultimately is whether or not you're going to choose yourself. It will always come down to that every single time. This process of learning how to human and leave the planet a little bit better than the way you found it, that we have to do this together and this impossible task of learning how to love yourself, we need to do it out loud. And that's why I'm doing this. So even though this feels super weird, I'm going to start. I'm going to name some things that I love about myself and I am cringing right now, Um, but I'm going to do it anyway. Okay. Because, you know, you got to start somewhere, right? I love that I think I'm funny, even though my jokes are horrible and everybody in my family knows it and reminds me, but I still, I still think that I'm funny and I love that about myself. I love that I make myself laugh and I might be the only one laughing, but I still love it. Um, I love that when I'm 95 or as long as I get to, to stick around on this planet, I love that no matter what age I'm at, I'm still going to be dancing, whatever, you know, cool thing the kids are doing. I'm going to try to learn how to do it. I don't care how old I will be dancing and doing the hip hop. I love that. I am absolutely keenly aware in this world, this universe that we live in of billions of light years. I love that even though I am aware of my insignificance in that cosmic perspective, that I still desire to make a difference on this planet. I love also that I hold space for paradox, and I believe that I hold it well. And finally, I love that I'm showing myself and proving to myself that my courage is bigger than my fear. And this podcast is exhibit A to that. Because this is about the scariest thing I can think of doing. And I think a lot of this actually reminds me of the children's storybook, um, The Velveteen Rabbit. And I don't know if all of you are familiar with that. It's, I think, about 100 years old. Um, But it's a classic. And this is where the Velveteen Rabbit just wanted to be real. He became real because he became loved by the boy that owned him. And one of the most famous quotes from that book is the part where they're having a discussion and he's asking, how do you become real? So let me read a portion of it to you. You probably already know it. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you. Then you become real. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful, when you are real, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up? The rabbit asked, or bit by bit? 
It doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you are real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you are real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. But we do understand. We understand that it doesn't matter how shabby you look on the outside. It doesn't matter how honestly what the world says of the way you look and what attributes you have or how smart you appear, or how many good words you have or businesses or money or beautiful photos or ugly photos or grainy photos and all of the things, no matter how much your body has broken down already, no matter what your limitations are, all of those things demonstrate how much you are loved and how much you have grown over time to love yourself. We understand that the incremental daily, yearly process of learning how to like then love ourselves is what's making us real, become a real human being. And what's making us become real is what is giving us the capacity to live as a magical human. Because I truly believe that if you can learn to love yourself and enter that sphere of expansion and abundance and confidence and belief, then you do transcend magically And you will change every life around you, every single person. You will have an impact that you cannot fathom right now, an impact that is truly legendary, that is truly beyond your comprehension. And I just can feel it. I can taste it. I can feel in my body, in my soul, this vision of a person that I'm becoming that is a shockingly, ridiculously, stupidly abundant individual. So full of love and light and confidence and belief and understanding and compassion that you cannot help but be impacted by that for good. So I want to tell you something right now. Even if you feel like or really truly believe that you are the oldest, shabbiest, most worn out, broken, no hair, eyes dropping out, literally can't move your body. Even if all of those things are true, and I know for me, half of them probably are, but you've still done the work to become real. You are the most luminous, beautiful, generous, abundant, incandescent, magical being on the planet. So, Go love yourself into realness. I could not be more serious about that. Do it for you, because if you do, you're doing it for the rest of us too. So hey, start easy like I did. Write down a few things you like about yourself. Then if you feel so inclined, tell me about it. DM me. I want to hear it. Post it. Put it on the interwebs. Tag and post the BS Free Podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to tune in next week for the beginning of our series, Get Out of Your Head and Into Your Life. See you next week.